catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Get ready, Ohio. FanDuel, America's number one sports book, is coming to the Buckeye State. And to kick things off, you can get started with $100 in free bets as an early sign-up bonus. Plus, when you sign up today with promo code OHIOFD, you'll be all set when FanDuel goes live in Ohio. Then you can bet on all your favorite teams in all your favorite sports with $100 in free bets. Just download FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Ohio, this is your chance to get in on the action. Join today with promo code OHIOFD. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 or older and present in Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio. one Unique user identity verification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're continuing on with the draft previews and these 10-to-1 countdowns that we've been enjoying. This is the third of them, the safety group. And here to talk with me about that group is Vas Laricos. Do I have it right? You have it perfect. Thank you for having me, Ken. Looking forward to digging into the safety class, a deep class. And uh, just can't wait for the draft to come. I'm excited for what to see what Eric DaCosta can add to the, to the depth chart. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's certainly an interesting class, and where the Ravens pick, there will be some players in the third and fourth round, in particular, they can get a safety. Uh, they can get guys in the in the first and second round. There are just many more, for instance, edge rushers in this class that I think will go in those first two rounds than there are safeties. Agreed, and the team need is certainly uh, a little bit different than it was when we first put this on the calendar yeah. before they signed Marcus Williams. So. Uh, not quite sure, but they could use some help uh, as a backup potentially or, or a developmental develop player. 
Great, great point. And, you know, Marcus Williams presumably will be here for five years. And most of these contracts don't play out the whole way, but at least four years you would expect on a five-year deal. Um, Chuck Clark is the green dot holder. He's on an incredibly inexpensive contract. I can't believe he's not going to be here for each of the next two years, which means, you know, and being the defensive signal caller, he's a harder guy to replace and still is playing well. I would not expect that. What is interesting is that the Ravens, I think, project to play a lot of three and four safety alignments in this coming season. So they like to play dime. That's been a Ravens hallmark since their very first season. But I think this team is more likely than just about any to play some quarter where they bring in a fourth safety to replace that second inside linebackers. They play with zero inside linebackers on a fair number of plays, four safeties. Tony Jefferson already seems to have kind of a role carved out as that quarterback. Um, and, uh, you know, I think we'll see Chuck Clark up in the dime, which means the real opportunity is in a back-end guy on obvious passing downs. Certainly, and I certainly am a proponent of the quarter uh, package, and it is a little bit interesting. Where is, is Brendan Stevens going to come down to a slot corner role? Uh, the same could be said for our Darius Washington. And then also, how does Geno Smith fit in as potentially a guy that can play the back end as Clark slides down? Yeah, Stevens is a real interesting cat in this entire thing because he had a terrible year when he did play slot last year. And I don't have a number of snaps on this, but there was just an interesting graphic that came out across Twitter literally about five minutes ago that had his passer rating against north of 150 uh, for, for his snaps at slot corner. Obviously, that's not what you want. The Ravens obviously would have to feel there's a developmental opportunity there if they if they keep Stevens around to play slot. But they certainly have not done a lot to address that position since last season. No, very thin depth chart as it sits today, no matter how you uh, you consider or categorize Stevens and Washington. And I'd expect them to take two corners in the draft at a minimum. Uh, but, uh, but I think we're here to, to discuss safeties more. But I did see that, that and that was uh, pretty alarming that, uh, that somebody sent to both of us, I believe, the, uh, the graph as far as how the players performing as slot and Stevens was one of the very worst in the entire league last year. There you go. All right. Well, outstanding, my friend. Let's get right into it with uh, your number 10 uh, safety prospect in this year's draft. My number 10 is Marquise Bell, a little bit of a late riser. Um, he's an FCS product out of Fa- uh, Florida FAMU, um, originally was a Maryland Terrapin and was actually kicked off the team. So I'm not quite sure the circumstances behind that and if he would be on the Ravens draft board. But if he is, he is a well-rounded player, um, good against both the run and the pass, a uh, a, a sound tackler with a pretty good athletic measurements. He does have some issues as far as mental lapses uh, and also questionable agility to mirror and man. Uh, but I do think as a day three pr- uh, project, he may be worthwhile. Yeah, Bell is the only small school guy that I really considered for the top 10. I ended up dropping him off just slightly. Uh, his profile is is good in terms of measurables, no doubt about it, at, at almost 32.5-inch arms, which is positive. That's speed uh, in the low to mid 4-4 range, so certainly exceptional for a safety. Uh, the background is a little bit concerning, and I, I, don't, I don't know where you are on that, but uh, I kind of got triggered on a couple of guys 
with regard to background issues. One of them is Trevor Penning, who I still think is an excellent offensive tackle prospect, but he has really red flag character issues with regard to having 34 penalties in 31 games. And obviously, you know, Bell getting kicked off the Maryland team is not a positive thing. Uh, hopefully he's passed that. We do see some, some Juco reclamation projects that work out pretty well, but he ended up just off my list. Anything else to say about him? Uh, no, I think that covered it. The question is, I mean, this is really the, the key for the day three picks. Do you want a high ceiling player or a high floor player? Um, and I, I usually tend to lean a little bit more towards the high ceiling, but but there certainly can't go wrong with uh, some other high floor players a little higher up on the list. Yeah, I, 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 he, he would be a high high ceiling player. And if they drafted him late, which, by the way, the Ravens don't have a whole lot of late picks in this draft. You can't afford to you know throw um, – uh, fourth round picks around like nickels in a poker game. You know they're they're important chips in your team's future. So they've only got one one pick after that. They could do some trading down, and they could. Uh, this could easily be a team that could use thirteen players out of this draft in camp. Don't don't tell me you can't use thirteen players because this Ravens team has so many holes. They need competition at spot. We know there's always injuries in camp. Um, this would be a great place to get it. And he'd, he'd be a high upside guy who could eventually be a free safety. I just don't with, – with all the free safeties, I kind of downgraded him a little also because of the presence of Marcus Williams and whether or not I think he'll really ever get a shot. Sure. Uh, who, did you, who did you slide at 10, Ken? So number 10, I had Veron McKinley of Oregon. Uh, you know, he's, he's in that same class with Bell in a sense, a very fast guy. Um, he is a reader. And he trusts his reads. You know, if you're a poker player, he'd he'd be going all in just based on how he how he thinks you're blinking your eyes or or uh, curling your mouth or the the, the uh, <laughs> pulse in your neck and things like that. He just he he's he's very good at that, um, and he and he makes a lot of good plays out of it. He makes some spectacular errors. I don't really have a problem with that in a safety. I think you can you can start with that as a base. I think I like that moxie. In some ways, I think it's harder to teach that moxie at the NFL level. So if a guy's got it, maybe I can teach him some restraint. But, but he, uh, uh, it's, it's, he's a very odd character because even in his interviews, you can tell that he thinks there's nothing. He just moves his head around like, <laughs> you know, you can't tell me a damn thing. And let, let me tell you, it was third and 18. I was back there. You know, but it's just, it's, it's, it has some great interviews out there on tape that are, that are really worth uh, taking a look on. Uh, 11 interceptions in three seasons. He's a smallish guy at 5'10", 178. So I think he's a guy who has to stay on the back end to be – um, uh, fully realize his value. I don't think he's a Tavon Young type player who can play at that sort of weight in the slot. Uh, also, I don't think I'd want him in the slot, but uh, uh, you know, late round possibility for the Ravens, and I'd be excited if they could get him cheap and late. Maybe definitely a high upside guy. Uh, he was right off my list. Um, just didn't quite make the cut. Uh, he did not test particularly well, um, so that's that's really the reason why there. But safety is a position where instincts are more important than yes. pure measurable sometimes. To- totally agree. And, you know, how quickly you make your read is often measured in quarter to half seconds. And then we talk about 40 time as if that really matters when there's a quarter <laughs> or half second difference. You know, you, uh, uh, you're absolutely right. Well, let's go to your number nine guy. Okay, my number nine is J.T. Woods from Baylor. Um, he is another high ceiling player, a rare athlete, a little bit lanky, but has very impressive straight line speed, has uh, exceptional range and burst to uh, to fill against the run. He's tough against the run. 
And he is, I believe he was a senior. Let me double check that just a moment. Yes, he was a true senior. Um, and his technique does still need a little bit of work. So that's slightly concerning. Mm-hmm. But he would be another player that would be more of a flyer type. Yeah, great, great speed. He'll jump right out of the building uh, in, in pretty much every measurable you'd like. So he ought to be a good contested ball uh, guy if you if you have him. It's almost like with his height and weight and his speed being there with the length you see, probably could be a, a, a corner you would consider. So, you know, he's, he's been a free safety, strong safety guy, but, but uh, you know, don't necessarily think that's the position that, that that would fit him best. And the team that gets him may decide, hey, let's give him some shots at corner. Or they may say, he, great, he's a free safety for us, but when we need a corner due to the injuries, as they pile up during the year, we might move him there. So good choice, I think. Yes, that's uh, you really that, that versatility is definitely a, a positive. I think we'll touch on that with some of the other players in this class. All right, outstanding. My number nine guy is Smoke Monday of Auburn. Um, let me make it down to my notes on Smoke here. Make sure I've got this right. Very big safety at six two two oh seven. Long arms, almost thirty three inches. Uh, above average long speed. Again, it's not the most important thing at safety, but it's good. Uh, good three cone uh, will we'll make him. When, the thing I look for three cone in a safety. Uh, what I want out of a three cone in a safety because usually you think of three cone as being very important for defensive linemen, maybe for edge rushers. Very important at slot corner for change of direction. But at safety, what I think it's important for is. Will they be a sure tackler in level three? And the guys who have three cone, good three cones and can change direction well there often end up being better level three sure tacklers. He's got the size to do it already. His three cone should make him a guy who can tackle there. Uh, he's a good fit for the Ravens, I think, uh, because they play a lot or project to play a lot of three and four safety packages. I think he could be used there um, in level two instead of in level three. You could also use him on special teams, of course. Uh, I think it might be optimistic uh, for him to play strong safety, big nickel, uh, where he has more of a specific coverage. I'm sorry, big nickel is a possibility. More, uh, it's more optimistic to say he could play at slot corner or strong safety where his coverage responsibilities are going to be more. I think that's actually the weakest part of his game. So I don't think he reads at all well enough to be a a free safety right now, but you know, another guy, late round candidate Ravens are accumulating young safeties, which they really need to do. I think uh, it's a, he'd be a good choice. He was a maybe 13th on my list. Didn't quite make the top 10, but I agree with the statement as far as uh, being an asset at level two and also bringing some utility as a special teamer. All right, so we'll go down to your number eight guy. So my number eight is more of a high uh, floor player, and that is Brian Cook from Cincinnati, who, of course, played with those two uh, big-named corners who are also part of this draft class. He's an outstanding run stuffer, run and hit, um, also a team captain, which we know the Ravens value. Just a very disciplined player, a very experienced player that you kind of know what you're going to get, and he's going to be – Almost maybe like a Chuck Clark in a way. He, however, he is a limited athlete. He does sort of lack that long speed, that change of direction to play man coverage. Uh, but um, certainly some things to like about his game also. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he probably ends up playing strong safety. He has more dime characteristics. You're talking about Chuck Clark. You're right. I mean, it, they, that guy is the guy the Ravens are probably going to have until they get a great inside linebacker again who will be calling the signals for this team. 
So he could be that guy. Uh, the two things I didn't like about Cook, one is he has very small hands, and the other one is his medical flag for the shoulder injury. So we'll see how that plays out. Uh, it definitely uh, needs to be better than he was against Notre Dame, which is a game I watched all the way through. Um, honestly, because he's not an ideal single high guy, I don't think he's a guy that I love for the Ravens. Now they could, they can make use of like, as we've said of multiple safeties, but they've got to get him ch- cheaper than Brian cook is likely to come because I think he's going to be, to be taken in the first four rounds. I'd like the Ravens to find some guys in the fifth and sixth round guy, maybe some small school guys uh, that, that they can get cook, by the way, also my number eight guy on my list. Very good. Very good. Um, I'm not quite sure where his range is. I had him pegged as more of a late-round pick, but there are some probable UDFAs that have a pretty similar profile. So you certainly don't want to invest more than you have to for the same player. Uh, My number seven is uh, Kirby Joseph. Um, He is a little bit of a one-year wonder and a little bit of a developmental player. But pound for pound, or I guess I should say production for production, one of the best ball hawks in this class uh, secured five interceptions last season and does have that legitimate single high range. Yeah, love him as well. He's my number five guy actually on the list, so I probably liked him a little more than you did. Uh, A one-year starter in a bad program is not a good combination. Uh, He had five picks, though. You can't – you know, you – it just doesn't happen all that often. I remember Deshaun Elliott had six picks, I believe, as a senior, or maybe he had six picks over two years. Like maybe I've got the stats a little bit wrong over time. But there was the, the point was made that all of them were easy picks. And, I, you know, I, I just had to kind of scoff at that at the time. But we did see that Elliott did not really end up being a ball hawk at the NFL level. So hopefully Joseph is is more of that natural ball ball hawk. He does have outstanding length with 33-inch arms. They allow to get his hands on a lot of footballs. Measurables are all outstanding, except he didn't run the 40 for some reason. I don't know why. Not yes, at pro day, not at, not at the combine. Well, if they're not running the 40, they're, they're most likely hiding something. That's that I originally had him higher on my list. And with the combination of that and also the addition of Marcus Williams pushed him down a couple spots. Yeah, I, I think that's a reasonable call. Uh, I think he'll be fine with tackling uh, as a single high. Uh, tough safety like the Ravens use. And, and again, Marcus Williams is really the guy who, who pushes him down. But I still had him at number five. Uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because there are just not that many great free safety candidates in this class. And so looking at these, you, you, uh, I know there's not supposed to be eight every year because then every team would have their free safety and it'd be, it'd be it's more like the quarterback situation where there's only 15 or 18 good ones to, to, to pass around among 32 teams uh, at free safety. It's just not everybody has a good one. Absolutely correct. Uh, every cycle, it seems, there might be two, uh, and yeah. maybe, and if they hit. And that's why, looking from the free agency perspective, why, at least in my view, the Marcus Williams addition was so uh, significant and, and such a smart move because they cannot unlock you know, the other so so much in the defense if you have a guy that can that does have that range. It, it also it's a big expenditure of cap, but it also is a big savings in draft capital to not have to draft that free safety for five years. So it makes a lot of sense from that perspective. You might really need that, obviously in the in the Ravens situation to be a uh, an edge player or an offensive tackle. But you know you just don't have an unlimited number of number one picks, and you're, you, that free safety usually has to be a number one pick. 
Absolutely. All right, my number seven guy, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Got a local, Nick Cross of Maryland. Uh, I, th- I, you know, a lot of people see him maybe as a strong safety. I see him as a project free safety. Uh, it, it could end up that he that he just ends up at, uh, at at strong, but really good size speed combo at six feet two fifteen. Pro day four thirty four six eighty five three cone. Those are great numbers. I mentioned back end tackling. Uh, if he if he is a downhill tackler, that three cone will also help him uh, not be eluded uh, near the line of scrimmage if he's doing that as well. Maryland fans know him well. Um, he makes some mistakes on the back end. Has a real nose for the football. Well, three sacks, three interceptions, two forced fumbles last year. Um, that's good stuff. And you don't always get that from a safety and, and a guy who's good as the second man to the ball, uh, very aggressive downhill player. Uh, he needs to reduce his missed tackles. Uh, now, that's something in, in that Maryland that um, he probably got away with some stuff because the players are not quite as big and fast. In the NFL, they're going to be bigger. They're going to be faster. His mistakes are going to lead to more big plays, and that, that could be serious. Um, the range should be fantastic for him. Uh, we've seen some ability for him to be manipulated in the deep middle of the field. So if you watch Maryland games, I'm sure you've been uh, occasionally flustered by that. Uh, he was benched for a game in 2020 uh, by Loxley. I never really heard the reason for that, but that's not a good thing. Um, and, you know, again, if, you, if you're talking about adding um, youth to a safety group, I think he's a guy that competes with Geno Stone for the role as the back-end safety. Stone entering year three now. So it's a legitimate point where is he good enough uh, and and is he going to stay with the team that you you draft another young safety with the thought that that's that's a position that needs to be backed up. Certainly, Cross is an exciting prospect. I had him fifth on my list, actually. Cool. Uh, 9.87 relative athletic score, which is one of the best in the class. Uh, he does have that track speed. He's a tone setter, but he can also play single high, so that's a, somewhat of a rare combination. He's pretty good matching up against tight ends. I think he does have elite upside. Um, similar to the other Maryland project, I believe it was Savage that the Packers took in the first round of the way. The only knock on him that I really see, well, in addition to the ones you mentioned, a little bit of tightness, not the most fluid athlete. Um, but I think uh, as as a, 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 a player that can develop for a year, potentially, he could really add a lot to uh, to the back end. All right, so here's the question about Cross, and, and this is of interest, I'm sure, the Maryland fans who will be listening in, but where, where do you put the cap on what you're willing to spend on him in terms of draft capital? Um, I would say, I don't know, between probably the last third, last third, I would say the last third rounder, but then you'd start taking need into consideration, and then I would really prefer, ideally, it would be the fourth round. Yeah, that's where I'd say, too. I'd say that third pick in the fourth round is about what I'd want to spend on him. And, and maybe there's a there's a taker on him. You know, you've got him at number five. I've got him at number seven. He's, you know, we there aren't a ton of great safeties. And there aren't a ton of great free safety prospects in his class. So he, he certainly could go that high. All right. Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised. We're up to your number six guy, I think. My number six is... Jalen Petre from also from Baylor. Um, he now he is a little bit undersized. 
uh, in comparison to some of these other players we've mentioned. But he does have a nice combination versatility as far as being able to play the slot and also being able to play deep, play the post. Uh, also very good in tangibles. He was a conference player of the year. Uh, great in pursuit. Uh, really fills up the stat sheet. Um, let's see, 18 and a half tackles for loss. Seven pass breakups, three fumble recoveries, and three forced fumbles last season. So a very productive player um, who may not be uh, – may have a little bit of a, a difficulty adjusting to the size and speed at the next level, but can certainly uh, be helpful, especially due to his versatility. Yeah, I love him. Um, uh, he's – uh, a pure slot corner, in my opinion, and at his size, I think uh, you know he's still reasonably good sized for a slot corner. Uh, he has no contact aversion at all. I mean, Tavon Young, I, I always put in that category as being a guy who would who would go after anybody at a much smaller size, but but uh, Jalen Petrie, really good at that. Uh, got that great three cone you like at 674. Uh, goes into the backfield to make tackles a fair amount. I don't know if you did you mention he had three and a half sacks last year, too? Uh, I don't think I did mention that. No. Okay. So 18 and a half tackles for loss. I mean, it's, that's, that's a guy who plays downhill confidently. And to me, he's a slot corner in the NFL. And the Ravens may already feel that way. The problem is that I, I think there are going to be guys that, that will go as slot corners later that the Ravens will like, maybe some small school guys, uh, certainly a guy that can get in the fourth round. That's where they got Tavon. Whereas Jalen Petrie, I think they might have to spend their second round pick on him. I'd want, I'd, I'd be happy taking him with a third, particularly the second pick in the third round. Cause I think slot corner is much more important than a lot of people give it credit for. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I'm, it's a real question of, of how much draft capital you're willing to spend. So where, where do where are you on Petrie in terms of the highest you'd spend? I think third round. I mean, I think he's a, he is a day two prospect. Does he make it to uh, the first pick in the third? I, I personally would, would would wait until the second pick in the third. Um, okay. But, yeah, slot corner is very valuable. Jalen Ramsey, maybe the best cornerback in the league, played predominantly slot last year. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, uh, Ravens, of course, probably underutilizing Humphrey to have him play slot. We like him. I think we've talked about this a number of times before as a boundary corner, really bring his baseball bat arms into play, change of direction becomes less of an issue for him on the outside. He can do a lot of things well for you. He can fill in for you at slot. I just don't think you're getting the maximum Humphrey value when he's there. I do like his physicality in the slot. I will, I will say that. Hmm. All right. I'm going to go ahead to my number six guy, and that's Lewis Seen of Georgia. Uh, a guy we've seen a lot of, obviously, playing at Georgia, 437 40 what I'll say is he's the, he's the guy who does not play that fast. If you watch him play on the back end, his, his read time, his reaction time, is just it doesn't show up at 437. I, I see scouting reports that are all over the board on him in terms of how he reads routes. But for me, I don't, that's not where I want this guy. I don't think he's the guy I want at the top of the uh, route trying to read it and and uh, figure out what the guy's going to do. We saw some of that Anthony Averett, very mixed results last year in terms of doing that. The Colts in particular really took advantage of him. But uh, maybe it reminds me a little bit of that. Uh, Billingsley in the national championship game ran right into him on what should have been a huge play, um, but uh, the Alabama quarterback threw the ball away. So uh, he, he knocked him, he knocked Seam down, and uh, and uh, still they did, they did not make the connection. Um, 
seen as a great tackler. That's one of the things you really see, a missed tackle rate under 10% in 2022. Uh, you love that in your safety. It's something, you know, the Ravens obviously had problems in in, in 2021. Uh, downhill play looks great. You know, if, think about Deshaun Elliott maybe with even a little better tackle percentage where he makes a fewer mistakes on tackling. So uh, I like him certainly in, in that respect. I don't think his ball skills match up to his measurables, not nearly. So that, that was my real problem with him. Good chance he goes in round two nonetheless. Uh, that probably rules out the Ravens from, uh, from my perspective. I uh, agree unilaterally with that assessment. Um, 9.92 relative athletic score. So uh, even better than cross. But uh, again, um, does not uh, does not necessarily have the instincts. Still, uh, still developing in a way. And explosive, um, physical, very violent downhill, absolutely. Uh, he certainly would need to improve his ball tracking. And I do think he's probably goes in the top 50, I would say. So may not be the perfect fit, but he was the third, number three on my list. All right, terrific. So excuse me there for a second. Uh, so I had uh, Kirby Joseph at number five. So I think we're to your number five guy, right? I had Cross at five. Do you want okay. me to go to my fourth? Hey, go to your fourth. Okay, Jaquan Brister out of Penn State. He's a playmaker. Six tackles for loss, five pass breakups, two interceptions in 21. He's well-rounded player against the run and the pass, can kind of fill an overhang role. Also another team captain, does possess the measurables to match up with tight ends and also displays um, very good awareness in zone coverage. Yeah, I loved him. Absolutely loved him. Uh, he was my number four guy as well. Outstanding size, speed combo at, at uh, for a strong safety. You know, six one and three quarters, two oh six, a four forty five forty. That's a great set of characteristics to start with. Uh, he's more like a linebacker. Plays like Chuck Clark a little bit. Maybe more of a natural strong safety slash dime. So if you're replacing Clark, he'd be ideal. Wouldn't have any problem with him jumping into being the signal caller right away. Uh, he seems to have those characteristics. Uh, I think the Ravens would be an ideal team for him in terms of a team that likes to substitute for their inside linebackers. It's just that some, some other team is going to need Jaquan Brisker a lot more than the Ravens do having Clark and, uh, and Williams already. So it's, I think it's more likely that some other team will reach probably in the second round to get Brisker. Uh, and then we'll probably be very happy with the result because uh, he'll certainly be they're They're buying their defensive leader. They're drafting their defensive leader. If they take him. Uh Anything else I would say about him? Yeah, I, th- I think that pretty well covers it. I did. I really loved him as a prospect, though. I mean, he's he's a great one, number four on my list. Yep, number four for me also, and I, I agree with that assessment as far as the second round uh, grade. How about number three for you then? So number three was was Lewisine. Mm-hmm. Good choice. No objection. I had him at number six. Uh, you know, we've talked about a little bit of the reasons why we might have had a little bit of difference. Um, I had number three as Jalen Petrie. So we're I think we're down to the top two. And I'm guessing I would be shocked if we did not have the same two guys. Absolutely. Uh, Daxton Hill, number two from Michigan, also brings that slot slash post versatility. Um, could play the slot, I think, and can mirror slot receivers pretty well. Very uh, proficient blitzer. 
Um, and just very good sideline to sideline, flying around the field. A very good athlete. The only uh, room area to improve would be to get get off blocks a little bit better in run support. But I think he's probably going to make some team very happy as a second round pick. Yeah, lots of uh, uh, lots of passes defensed uh, for a for a safety at eight in fourteen games. Anyway, safeties don't generally accumulate them as as often as corners do. Uh, Elfin kind of build at six oh one ninety slot corner experience at Michigan. Um, is 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 good and he might have to play there some if he if he gets the NFL from whatever team but certainly for the Ravens um, that 438 speed is good is a great match for arms that are over 32 inches long so that's going to create some good contested ball opportunities oftentimes uh, when you're in the slot you need to change your direction and also some length is really helpful um, so far I'd honestly have to say despite the eight PDs that it's more his speed than his length that he's using to contest catches. So the tools are there. I just don't see him timing leaps particularly effectively. Uh, good player, certainly. I, I think uh, probably will adapt well to the single high roll in the NFL. Uh, that 657 three cone jumps off the page at you as being a characteristic that would also do well in the slot. Uh, as a run defender, you mentioned – uh, some of the things that, that, that uh, you know, it might not be big enough. I think he's unusual in that he's not contact averse at all. Very Tavon Young-like, despite, an, despite the elfin build, really looks to run downhill to tackle. Not a, uh, what I'll call a uh, Earl Thomas type who takes these long backwards angles to continually corral a runner. Um, you know, forgetting the Nick Chubb 88-yard run from a couple of years ago <laughs> versus the starters, but but uh, Thomas did, did a lot of that. He would really take a you know a long angle backwards to try and let other players catch him while he contained a runner. Uh, that's not Daxon Hill. He, he's he's a, a very aggressive tackler. Um, if if they were to draft him, it would be with the idea. I think he starts in the slot, and because uh, there just isn't another place for him where where he could command second round draft capital i'm pretty sure he'll go in the second round yes i agree with that so would you be comfortable with him as this as the second round pick yes i would i take him at 45 it's it's a lot of draft capital spend but i think slot corner is important and if if i have the choice there um uh yeah he, he'd be a guy there are other slot guys you can get in around four like we've talked about but daxton hill is an ex- exceptional athlete and i think he'd be a good choice I agree. I agree. Your number one guy, as if we had to guess. <laughs> Take a wild guess. Okay, Mr. Yeah. Kyle Hamilton, All-American pedigree, obviously. He really is the prototype strong safety of the modern NFL with the versatility. Um, the length, especially, it's 6'4". Very good instincts, very good range. That interception he made in the season opener against Florida State was one of the highlights of the year last year. Um, a very good player. I'd be surprised if he gets out of the top 10. There have been rumors lately that he's sliding because he didn't run the fastest at his pro day. I, I don't think he's quite as athletic as Derwin James, but nonetheless, I, I think he is a top 10 talent for sure. 
And, and that's that's the comp is Derwin James is is a lot of people saying they want to play Kyle uh, Kyle Hamilton close to the line of scrimmage, make him the guy you build your entire defense around that he can rush the passer, he can create all kinds of matchup problems all over the field. He doesn't just have to play on deep, or he doesn't have to you know even play you know a, a strong safety where he's roving around between levels two and three say to start a lot of plays. Uh, he can do a lot for you. Um, 33 and a quarter inch arms are longer than a fair number of offensive tackles in this draft, including some of the guys who made the top 10. I think Kellen Deitch might be in that category. Mm-hmm. And uh, who's the other guy who's got kind of short arms? Uh, I can't remember right now, but, uh, but anyway, he's uh, Hamilton, clearly a, a, a very top pick. I, I saw the other things and I had questions about his speed, given what he ran. I think he was four, seven or so at his pro day. And maybe he either didn't run at the combine or he was slightly injured and he didn't run well. Um, and, and it mentioned, and is he the one that had the abductor injury that might have held him back a little bit? I thought he was 4-6 at the combine. Okay. So somehow it was even slower at uh, Notre Dame's pro day, which is usually the opposite. Yeah, it's usually the opposite. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but anyway, uh, certainly very valuable uh, in, in terms of wherever you might put him. Uh, doesn't really have the quick twitch of a slot corner, so it may be that you put him over Travis Kelsey, it's not the ideal kind of matchup for him, but he certainly can physical with Travis Kelsey where very few other defenders who would line up opposite him can. Um, he had a high missed tackle rate that has improved over the years, so that's something that I think is better. Um, you know, one of the things that, that, that has placed him into the discussion at the very topic in the entire draft or, or certainly in the top ten um, is that his play speed is so much faster than his 40. And, and with his 40 dropping, um, really kind of wonder. You know, last season got entered by a knee injury, and I, I just would, I would probably have concerns. I, one of my hopes, actually, on day one is that Kyle Hamilton goes where he's supposed to go, somewhere in the top 10. Because if he drops out of the top 10, I'm all of a sudden concerned about why, and I, I wouldn't want the Ravens to take him at 14. And they probably wouldn't, but they might trade down and 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 – and do it. Yes, I agree with that. You certainly want the more the more players that uh, that aren't a perfect fit for what they need to be drafted in the top fourteen. Safeties are unusual. Obviously, Derwin he also had a knee issue coming out of mm-hmm. Florida State, um, but they are somewhat unpredictable. But I do think that their positional value, or at least the positional value of a chess piece like a Hamilton. Um, they do. They do provide a lot of value, especially matching up against the move tight ends. And I know that might not be his very, very best suit, but he's a better option than most teams already have. Right. Obviously, people who've been following me on Twitter and the draft know how much I exploded over the Ravens not taking Derwin James when they had the chance to. Uh, very frustrating. Now, all pro as a rookie, it didn't make me feel any better about it. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's just it, you, these guys you can build the defense around don't come along very often. Hamilton appears to be one of those guys if, if the speed issues can be resolved. So, uh, uh, you know, good luck to whoever gets him as long as it's not, you know, one of the divisional competitors. The other comp for Hamilton is Isaiah Simmons, who was picked by the Cardinals uh, pretty high, I think it was two years ago. And he's been off to a slow start for what it's worth. So, uh, but, yeah, let's hope he goes top, top uh, 14 for sure. So is Simmons thought of more as a linebacker slash safety, whereas Derwin James, I don't think of that way, although you, you certainly can. Derwin James, I think of as an edge rusher slash safety more. 
slash corner slash corner yeah, guess, whatever, whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> right he could do it all uh, Simmons was a little bit more of a hybrid yes I would I would agree with that mm-hmm. okay all right well outstanding I obviously have the same number one guys you how about some some other guys maybe a little deeper on your board that didn't make it I know we've talked about some of them but I still got one name left that we haven't gotten into uh, so I have three names uh, sort of honorable mentions. Now, these may be UDFA targets or late sixth rounder, seventh rounder. And I think they all sort of fit the same mold as a, basically as an Anthony Levine, as a guy that can come up and play dime linebacker and also be a special teams ace. Um, and they are Wani Thomas from Georgia Tech, 6'1", 212. He's sort of a linebacker safety hybrid. Already carries a reputation as a special teams ace. Another one is Tyson Anderson out of Toledo. Same deal. Uh, good against the run, special teams. And the third one, who I would keep an eye on, Sterling Weatherford from Miami of Ohio. He's 6'4", 215. We know the Harbaugh's have the connection to Miami of Ohio. And he could be a sub-package linebacker. He is one of those uh, players that brings a lot of intangibles. That's a that's a, uh, a really good selection. I thought you were going to say my guy was Trey Sterling of Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, 5'11", 205, uh, not exceptional length, not exceptional three-cone, good special teams player. Uh, hopefully it would be somebody who could help the Ravens there. It would be a real question as to whether he can develop into a, a guy who can help them in level two in passing packages. And I think this year's Ravens can't afford to have anybody who won't do that. So this is what's hurt the Ravens in the past couple of years is they've had Levine on the team, who's you know, obviously a great dime back in 2018, uh, lost his job to Clark in 2019, um, uh, and, and really has not played nearly as much defense in the years since. They had you know, Jordan Richards on the team for a while taking up space. They've had Justin Bethel on the team taking up space, although he's really more of a cornerback. The Ravens, in my opinion, if, if they have five safeties on this roster, which I expect to be the case, they need to have – all five of them be guys who can play among their regular four safety package defense to, to play the quarter. If they don't do that, I think they're really holding themselves back because you know a lot of a lot of weeks one of those guys can be inactive anyway. So you really need to have enough pieces to pick from that you can regularly field a key defense that, that's played on high leverage down. So I, I think whatever they go for in terms of safeties, they need to make sure it's not just a core special teamer. They need to get a guy who can actually play in the box on passing downs. Agree completely. I think Chris Ford, although he was listed as a linebacker, was a safety coming out of college, and he kind mm-hmm. of fits in that in that uh, classification, and he obviously moved on. So they're, that, that's, that's really the guy I think that they're, whether it's a board or a Levine or, or that type of position, but certainly – you want them. You can't afford to have a special teams only player uh, when you have to deactivate so many players on game day. Fair enough, uh, Voss. Always a, a pleasure to talk football with you. And this is another great discussion on this. Uh, Voss is very terse, if you notice. So we had a couple of one-hour discussions with a couple of guys who really just love to talk football, and we'll do it forever. Voss not only has a life, but he's also very terse about things, and, <laughs> and uh, really appreciate having you on. And uh, and always a, a lightning quick conversation when we do it. Uh, tell people where they can find your work. Yes, so I am at on Twitter at Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown, and we've been uh, playing around with some of the Twitter spaces lately and having some nice discussions with many uh, respected members of the Ravens flock. I am also the deputy, excuse me, co-managing editor for Baltimore Beatdown. Um, 
our SB Nation blog. Um, so love to uh, have more people come join the conversation over there. All right. Outstanding. And folks, if you're out there and you'd like to talk anything about the Ravens with me, during the offseason, I'd really like to hear from you about any ideas, in particular right now and, th- and through the draft. I'd like to hear about any draft strategies, maybe particularly that are multi-positional because we're doing a lot of countdowns of individual positions. But maybe if you have some idea of how to relativize the value of positions, I'd love to talk about that. I'd love to talk about you know draft strategies as they relate to the current Ravens and whatnot. DMs are open on Twitter. Hit me up with a with a message there. I'll get right back to you. And, and uh, usually these things get recorded pretty quickly. Love to hear from you. Uh, Voss, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me, Ken. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Stuff. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.